everybody and welcome to the next episode of the Are You Ready podcast. As ever, I'm your host and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing, Dave? Well, Derek, I think you know how um, we're going to get into it. It's another depressing week being a Rangers supporter, isn't it? After the Aberdeen debacle last week, we were hoping for some good news this week, but it wasn't to be, was it? Chuck them in the bin, set it on fire <laughs> and set it on fire again. That's all I can say, Dave. It was an absolute clusterfuck, wasn't it? All of our own making, which we could have telegraphed well before the game. Yeah, I know. I was going to say you could get, you could try and get Fashion Sakala to do that, but he would probably miss the bin. <laughs> Fuck. It's too soon, Dave. It's too soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right, is that, the end of, is that the end of the podcast, mate? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Got nothing else to say after that. So summed up in 30 seconds, that's it. Yes, but unfortunately, well, fortunately for you, we need to, to cover this one here, so we will go down the tunnel and onto the park. So the only game we've got to cover, and fortunately the only game, was on Sunday the 30th of April. It was the 1-0 loss against Celtic at Hamden in the Scottish Cup semi-final. Dave, as I said right in the opening, you could have telegraphed it and I sent you a message and as I put on Twitter, this game was going to be decided by a moment of magic or a mistake. You said it was more than likely going to be our mistake yeah. and that's what happened. Derek, I think if you spoke to 99% of Rangers supporters out there and said, what is the likely outcome of this game? They would say, Rangers would play well, we would probably be the better team, we'll not be able to score and we'll make a mistake which they'll capitalise on. I think we would, like I said, it was it was just it was written. We all knew it was going to happen and that's basically exactly what happened, wasn't it? Now we know what Celtic fans felt like in the 90s. That's true, that's true, but it's hard to take, Derek, considering it just happens so often just now, and the fact that it is our own downfall just makes it even worse. Yeah. So the game itself, Dave, I'll let you run through it like you did with the post-match, but just to start, Willie Collum was set to be the referee, however, yeah. he pulled out 10 minutes before kick-off due to an injury. So Don Robertson, who was meant to be the fourth official, took his place, and it turned out that it was his uh, old firm debut as well. I didn't actually realise it until just before kickoff when I saw that he wasn't out, and that was when I saw on Twitter and stuff that he got injured in the warm-up. But uh, anyway, the the starting eleven: Michael Beale put out a couple of players returning, Connor Goldson returning to the team, uh, Ryan Kent also re- returning to the starting eleven as well. So it was McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Davies, Barisic, Lundstrom, Raskin, Cantwell, Tillman. Kent and Morelos on the subs bench, McLaughlin, Ridvan, Hadji, Sutter, Matondo, Kamara, Wright, Fashion, Sakala and Scott Arfield. Now, Derek, I don't know about you, I was pleased to see Goldson back. I know that, that me and you have been very critical of him over the last a couple of seasons for, for big games, but I think we realise when he's not there, it's even the bread and butter defensive clearances are a, a, a bit of a nightmare for us when he's not there. So I was pleased to see him back. 
I wasn't sure about Ryan Kent because I told that he wasn't fit and quite clearly wasn't as uh, you know as we're about to, to get into. But as I say, it started off, I, I, I don't know about you, but I couldn't see much in the first five minutes because of the amount of smoke that was on the park. Uh, it was, uh, it was, there was plenty of flares and smoke bombs go, going off, so quite difficult to see to start off with. And in amongst all the smoke on the first minute, we had a great chance, and it was Raskin who gets the ball on the edge of the box, and he just goes for goal, takes a shot. Derek, it was going on target, wasn't it? But unfortunately for us, the Celtic defender got in the way and deflected the ball past for a corner, but certainly a very, very bright early start for us, wasn't it? Yeah, looking promising straight away, and that's what we wanted to see. Yep. But then the next 20 minutes, nothing. I mean, let's be honest, it was it was pretty dull. And that was for both sides. Both teams having possession, but really in, in their own half, not doing much whatsoever. And then, you know, even past that, and it wasn't until the 27th minute that there was a first a real chance that was Celtic that took it when they uh, got the break on the, the right-hand side of the box. And I can't even remember what Celtic player it was, but they managed to get a shot straight at Alan McGregor. He saved it, but it was straight to another one of the Celtic strikers who had another half chance, and he hits a low shot and saved again by Alan McGregor and cleared. Not incredible uh, saves there by Alan McGregor, but certainly important ones that he had to make. Then on the 35th minute was uh, the first uh, issue that we had, and it was Malik Tillman. He went uh, in for a challenge, Nowhere near the box, it was away on the on the wing, and uh, he stretched and he's obviously pulled something. I wasn't sure what it was that he'd done, if it was uh, his Achilles or or whatever. But he had to go off. So in the thirty sixth minute, Tillman was off and Arfield was on. But Derek, up until that point, we'd done nothing. We had we'd fashioned no real chances whatsoever, and we were pretty poor in the first half. But without Celtic doing anything either, would you would you say that was fair? Pretty much. I mean, unfortunately, they once again got shots on target more than we done. But it was, as you said, it was uh, bread and butter stuff, I would have said, for McGregor. But again, we were just powder puff in that final third. Yeah, doing absolutely nothing. Kent and Morelos offered absolutely nothing whatsoever. I don't think Sakala touched the ball in the first half either, from what I can remember. But talking about bread and butter, Derek, this is what this sh- should have been. But this was... One of the worst shambolic pieces of defending that I've seen from Rangers in a long time. And that is saying something, considering some of the defenders that we've seen playing for Rangers over the last 10 years. Because on the 42nd minute, Celtic took the lead and it was just a shambles. You know, everyone will have seen the the goal I'll go over it, but I still can't believe it. The more I watch it, it actually gets worse the more that I watch it. Celtic had the ball uh, on the right hand, on the wing, on the right hand side of the box and there was a foul involving Maeda or Rangers players thought there was a foul. There were five Rangers players surrounding the ball. They thought the referee was going to blow the whistle. The referee didn't blow the whistle. Everyone just stopped, never moved. Maeda looked up, actually had time to look at all the Rangers players, still didn't move. He then gets the ball, bursts through to the byline, still with no Rangers players making a challenge. He dinks the ball over, and then the calamity at the end as well. There's Jota, who is behind James Tavernier, miles behind him. 
He sees it all unfolding. James Tavernier doesn't move. And Jota walks past James Tavernier, gets right in front of him. The cross comes in and he's got a point-blank header into the goal. Most simplest goal that Celtic will score all season and the most laughable defending by Rangers that you will possibly ever see. Absolutely shocking. We thought the the goals we conceded against Aberdeen were bad. This just uh, it, this takes the biscuit. First rule of football when you when you start playing football is play to the whistle. Seven players failed to play to that whistle. That is just down. You can't teach that. You cannot blame the tactics. You cannot blame the management for that. That is a collective calamity from the players there. I do not know what they were thinking. Several of them just absolutely stopped. I don't know if it was. One player stopped, thought it was going to be a foul, which led to another player stopping. And another, I don't know if it just it was a knock-on effect to that. And then you've got the second phase, allowing the player to nip in, cross the ball, and then Tavernier. I don't know how many more times is he going to do this. People were trying to absolve him from any blame. Yes, it was a collective failure, but he was a massive part of that. Yes, all the players stopped. Yes, they allowed a player to nip in. But at the end of the day, if Tavernier tracked his man, that wouldn't have been a goal. Just the same as if everybody didn't stop and actually went for the ball, that wouldn't have been a goal either. I am at my wit's end now with the defence of Tavernier because he just cannot defend half the time. He can do some great defensive moments, Absolutely, as they all can do. But when you're getting continual mistakes of the same nature, that means he's clearly not learning. Because I I can't imagine for a second they're not trying to coach it out of him. He's just not learning. Another basic of defending is track your man. Once again, he cannot do it. Forget about what he does up front. That's by the by. But when you've got a player in a defensive position who's constantly making mistakes like that, he is a liability. I do not care what he does up front. It's not good enough in the slightest, and this is part of the problem with our team. The thing that that, that gets me as well, Derek, is going back, how many times a season also has Barisic been caught completely losing his man in the box as well? It's happened to him so many times as well. And I had to laugh when I saw a, a, a tweet that was put out, an official tweet by Rangers, where they were, they'd obviously been speaking to Barisic and he says that they had been analysing the mistakes from the past few games. They had been working tirelessly on trying to stamp out these defensive mistakes. And there, and there you go again. It's no Barisic this time, it's, it's Tav. Like I said, Derek, I am not putting this the, the, the full blame on Tavernier. This is a, a collective thing. I have never seen anything like that ever in professional f- football where a whole sort of five players can just all stop. And still, as I say, if you, if you go back and look at it, the fact that Maeda stopped as well, looked at them all, and then decided to run with the ball. It wasn't an instinctive thing where he said to himself, right, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping on going. He'd stopped as well. He'd actually stopped. And he actually looked and, he, and he's seen them all and kept going. It's it's laughable. The defending is absolutely laughable. I, I, I can't get over it. But that's how we went in at half time, Derek. And we were all pissed off. We all knew we had done nothing in that first half. Again, the the mistake which would, would let herself down again. 
and we had been doing absolutely nothing up front. So the second half kicked off, Derek. We had done nothing up front. Like I said, Ryan Kent, obviously not fit. He was very, very poor. You could see that he was he was struggling. He just wasn't getting into the game at all. So Michael Beale made the change at half-time and brought Fashion Sakala on for Kent. So we thought, right, OK, a, a wee bit more direct. On the 50th minute, we had an early chance. The ball was crossed in by Cantwell. Morelos header falls straight to the boot of Fashion Sakala, who sticks his boot out and you know instinctively goes to try and strike the ball. Doesn't he get a clean hit on it, Derek? It was right in the middle of the six-yard box. It hits off Joe Hart's thigh. He, he didn't know where it was going and it managed to get clear. So that was sort of first real, real chance that we had and it was a, a really big chance for us. Then on the 57th minute, there was a chance for Celtic. There was a through ball which was not dealt with by Rangers again. It falls to Kyogo, who hits a low shot. There wasn't a lot of power in it. McGregor manages to get down dives and puts it out for a corner. But then on the 60th minute, Raskin with a great ball to Arfield on the edge of the box. Arfield, he shoots low and a fantastic save by Hart out for the corner. And this was the period now, Derek, between the 60th minute right up to probably about the 80th minute, that 20-minute period where we were really on top. We're getting more and more control in the midfield. Celtic were way, way out of it by this point. And then the chance, the, the, the big, big chance, which again, I've watched back loads and loads of times, and I, I think it's unforgivable, Derek. 64th minute, Fashion Sakala on the left-hand wing. He runs down and then cuts the ball back to James Tavernier on the edge of the ball, who hits a fantastic strike. It's a great strike, curling right over, crashes off the post, identical to the cup final, where it falls to Fashion Sakala. It is at a tight angle, but it's an open goal, Derek, just outside the six-yard box, and it hits it wide. It was a glaring, glaring opportunity, and that's twice he's done it at Hamden, in exactly the same position at the same end of the ground in a matter of weeks. It's really not good good enough at finishing by someone who's supposed to be a, a top-class striker for, for us, Derek, is it? That ultimately is what it boils down to, is just a lack of quality. Strikers should be burying that for breakfast, you know? Yeah. Unbelievable. When I think back to even guys like the likes of Chris Boyd and things like that, Derek, who, you know, wasn't known for pace or anything like that, but he, he, he would have buried that. Dare I say, I think probably Cholak would, would have buried that as well. Roof would have buried it. I think nearly any of the strikers would have, 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 have buried it. It was a guilt-edged chance. And really, as I say, because he's done it twice, I absolutely identical, I was despaired. Rangers were really in control at that point, Derek. We were you know, going f- forward with confidence at that. We were completely dominating the midfield. Celtic decided to change it. They brought on three substitutions to try and slow things down. 74th minute, Barisic with a cross for the left. Another great chance. James Tavernier, if it had just attained his run slightly earlier, he heads the ball but heads it down too much. It bounces in front of the goalkeeper and over the bar. That was another guilt edge chance, I think, especially for somebody like uh, James Tavernier. And then uh, substitution after that, Rabi Matondo comes uh, and Yilmaz on for Barisic and Raskin. And Matondo, not long after that, on the right-hand side, he has a great shot, saved by Joe Hart. Really unlucky there as well. 83rd minute, sub 
Hadji's on for Morelos, and that was really the, the last of the 84th minute I've got here. Rabi Matondo on the left, he cuts back to Scott Arfield at the edge of the box, who shoots it's over the bar. Celtic, after that, Derek, done everything they could to take the sting out of the game. Celtic did, didn't play well, Derek. In the second half, we were by far the better team, by far the better team, but we couldn't score. You know, we had a couple of really good chances. One, like I said, guilt-edge chance. We just couldn't score and we gave them another trophy, let's be honest. And, you know, we just couldn't peg them back. Very disappointing, but like I said, right at the start of the podcast, we could all see it coming, couldn't we? Yeah, I mean, as we said, it was always going to be down to our mistake. Uh, if you can't defend, I know you've said in the last podcast that you think that the attacking needs sorted, well it certainly does, but more importantly the, the defence needs sorted because if you're just going to gift them goals, at least you know if you're not going to score goals, you, you, you defend, you take it to penalties, whereas we can't even do that because we're gifting yeah. teams goals so many times. I mean... Looking at that starting 11, there is not many of them going to be there, I can imagine. And now we're talking about a massive, massive clear out here. If there's, We've got to balance it with the fact that we better have our medical staff sorted out because we can't get rid of 10, 15 players like this, maybe planned, if we need to bloody have players on standby with the injuries this year. But you look at that starting 11, McGregor, he has to go. Tavernier and Goldson, now they've just signed long, uh, longer contracts. Yes. Can't see no. them going anywhere. However, Dave, and I've said this before, Tavernier, Goldson and Barisic slightly different because his contract, I think he's either only got a year to go or he's coming out of contract. But that back three has been the same for, what, five years now? That's under three managements and it's the same defensive blunders time and time again. Goldson, yep. as much as he was good, I think, given our defensive frailties of late, I think we're maybe doing that thing of when he's not there, he seems a lot better compared with what we've actually got in place I, of him. I would say, Derek, that Goldson, if you look back to the season that we won the league where he was playing alongside the likes of Hellander, Hellander is fantastic positionally, fantastic, and not a lot of people gave him a lot of credit. They went on about how slow, slow he was, but uh, him and Goldson, he covered up so much for Conor Goldson to let him sort of concentrate on the normal stuff. That's the type of defender that we need for Conor Goldson to be a success with us. We need an incredibly intelligent defender alongside him that's going to be fantastic in coverage, being able to spot people that are unmarked and stuff like that. We don't seem to have of, of that just now. Davies doesn't instill any confidence in me at all, Derek, and I do like John Suter. I would have Suter in there instead of Davies, but with his in, in injuries as well, he's still not fully fit, in, in my opinion, so he's not playing either, but I get what you're saying, but I can't see either of the two of them going because they've signed long-term deals. Yeah. But maybe that's a, a thing to try and get them out the door. Again, though, we're going to need to keep some players at least, aren't we? Exactly, yeah. Uh, Raskin was decent, yep. <laughs> never really done much, no. unfortunately. This is, again, the frustrating thing. Lundstrom was outstanding in the first season. He was then shit. And now he actually is out of the blue, came in and had actually a, a fairly decent game. Cantwell, he was trying really hard. He was getting stuck in. We'll get into it a bit in about how in a second. But he had absolutely nothing to play with up front because yeah. Tillman, Kent and Morelis. Tillman maybe being a wee bit unfair of him because he, he, he did get injured, but he'd done nothing up until he, he, he went off. Kent and Morelis were an absolute disgrace. Yeah. 
Dave, it's been echoed on other podcasts, but I never, ever want to see them on a Rangers shirt again. It's really sad to say that because they were big players. Ken, I don't think his, his fee has justified what he's done for us, to be quite honest with you. I know that's not his, the, the, the fee we paid for him is not his fault, but he's been ultimately a disgrace the way he's went and hiding this season. Morelos, don't even get me started because he's not been a player for 18 months for us. Both of them should never play for Rangers again and it's a sad way to end your Rangers career. It is. I mean, you're talking about the transfer money that, that we paid for Kent. I, I think a lot of that comes down to his nationality, Derek, to be perfectly honest with you. If he'd have been from you know, almost any, in any other country in Europe, we wouldn't have had to pay as much as that, but because he was a young English player playing for Liverpool, that's the reason that we had to pay that amount of money. But no, I get it. And you know my feelings on the latter, on our Colombian, you know what I feel about him, but his time is up. I've been kidding myself on for a while now, but after seeing that, it's quite clear that both of them are away and both of them looks to me as if they just don't don't want to get injured. That's the, the, the way that I see it. And, and they're having to play because they're having to play. What's your thoughts on Tillman, though? That's that's the big one, and I've seen this muted. Is he worth £5 million? Or are we better spending the £5 million that's been... You know, that's the, that's the figure that's been bandied about, that's been agreed if we want to sign him. Is it worth paying that amount of money? Because there's, there's certain times he looks absolutely fantastic. There's other times that he doesn't. It's 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 a real quandary for me, Derek. And I, I'm I'm starting to side with the 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 fact that possibly that five million pound could be spent elsewhere and improving the team. I don't know what your thoughts are on him. I think Ken is the prime example of saying that you'll make your money back on a player is never, ever going to be the case, especially playing in Scotland and when you get horsed in Europe as well. See, if we had a decent European run, I would have said yes, and maybe he contributed, but it was a disgrace this year in Europe. I don't think we should be spending the money for him because I've went back and forward with this one. Yes, the guy has got, the, the guy has got a talent. He's got it in him. But every big game, he's went missing. And even in some games where it's not been a big team, he just sometimes saunters about and he couldn't be arsed in some of it. I don't want that type of player here. I think there is a talented player there, but we've got too big a rebuild to spend £5 million on one player. In my opinion, Derek, and we've spoke about this before, I think that we already have a player in our squad that can play that position and go out and become a real star for us. And unfortunately for him, he got a bad injury, but he's now back fully fit. And I would love to see the last five games of this season and then as just, you know, saying to him, right, that's you. It's, you know, the place in your team, you know, for, for the rest of the season and the pre-season, and that would be Alec Lowry. Uh, yeah. Derek, I think he's a phenomenal player. We didn't allow him to go out on loan, which I thought was quite strange, and we've not seen much of him. He's an immense talent. He's a forward-playing, you know, midfielder who, you know, his eye to, to, to pick out a pass up front is unbelievable. He can glide past players with the ball. I think he's an out. Every single time I've watched that guy play, I've thought, what a player he is. And as I say, obviously got that horrific uh, tackle and injury that had him out for most of the season, but he's back. So, you know, what have we got to lose with, with, with this guy now? That's the future. That's the type of guy that if we got his full potential, 
if we're talking about selling players, you know, in a season time, that's the type of player that, that we can make a lot of money out of. I hate saying that. I hate saying that, 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 that we're a selling club, but if that's the way that it's got to go, then, you know, give that guy's chance, put him in for the rest of the season. We've got a game against Celtic coming up, a big game at Ibrox with just all, all, all our supporters. Get him into that. Give, give him a taste of playing in a huge game like that for us when there's nothing to lose. Derek, do you, would you agree with that one? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And you've got the fact as well, Lawrence coming need to come back for injury as well. Add in potentially Hadji, which the, the jury's still out if he's going to yeah. come back. Yeah. Bearing in mind he was hot and cold as well uh, before he got his bad injury. So We've also just, got Ruth as well, who there's no doubt in, you know, he can score goals. But again, his injury record is absolutely horrific. It's right up there with the likes of Ryan Jack as well for coming back for two games and then be, being out for two months and stuff like that. If, if, if we can get these guys fit, but that's the bit that worries me, is I, I don't think we ever will. Yeah. McLaughlin, he'll be away, no doubt. Ridvan, I think he needs a chance. Hadji, again, as I've just said, you've mentioned Suter, Matondo. I think Ridvan and Matondo, when they came on, they, they had a yeah, fairly they decent game. Yep. Um, right, I don't think he'll be there. Arfield... He's, He's gone, Derek. He came out today to say that he's one of the players that they're going to be trying to move on. So it looks as if he's, you know, played his last game for for, for us as well, or, or or will have by the end of the season. Yeah, uh, Kamara, a lost cause now. I, I can't believe yeah. how he's went from being an incredible ten million pound player, at least, oh. to really looking like a forty grand player yeah. again, and then Sakala. He's such a frustrating player because he was at one point probably our best striker and then, you know, he can do something as stupid as miss the chance against Celtic like that twice. The the, the other move as well, Derek, that I I didn't cover again because it never came to anything, so it's not in our highlights, shall we say, was an incredible move that started off from Alan McGregor playing the ball out and I think it was something like eight passes right through the Celtic players right up to Fashion Sakala on the left-hand side, and he, he ran to the byline, and I don't know what the hell it was. It was a cross that ended up hitting the corner flag on the other side. It was it was, it was absolutely diabolical again. Final ball, just absolutely just non-existent from him. And we all like him, you know what I mean? But it's not about be, being liked, you know, when you're not winning games. It's about winning games. It's about scoring goals. It's about... You know, take, taking your chances, and he's just not doing that. No, so certainly a big, big job to to see what players we're going to have left. To be honest, as you uh, say, Derek, I think the big issue we've got here is we still need to have a squad. There still needs to be players kept, but who out of that squad would you know is going to get kept? And there's going to be guys that are getting kept that we're all wanting to see go. But, I mean, you're talking a huge haul. I mean, we, we, we're we needing at least eight players, new players brought in. If there's that amount of players going out, probably more. And I know that Michael Beale said that uh, after the game, this is going to be one of the biggest summers in recent Rangers history for players coming in. But we need it. But it can be... It, <laughs> this is another thing that, that, that really, really gets my... my I'm like raging when I read it. There's a lot of stuff on social media. There are guys playing in the SPL, Derek, who we could sign for peanuts, 
who could come in and automatically be better than what we've got at the moment. I don't care what anyone says. They're going about Van Vino. He's far too old. Van Veen would score a barrel load for us. And I don't mean for him to be your main striker, Derek. I mean him to be an option, a, a different type of player to, to, to bring on when we're struggling. It's guys like that. Marco Harris and Merlin, absolutely phenomenal midfielder. Another player that could come straight into your team. There are, are players in almost every team in the SPL, top players that we could go in and sign for Rangers and they could come in and... If there are no squad players, they would be, you know, vying for, for the first team and it would keep the squad up as well. Walter Smith done it. Alec McLeish done it. You know, coming in. You remember when Alec McLeish came back, uh, came in as, as, as the Rangers manager. The first thing he went out, he went out and got Marvin Andrews. Everyone was like, oh my God, what, what are we signing Mar- Marvin Andrews for? Absolutely outstanding. He'd been playing for Wraith Rovers, I think it was, that, that, that we signed him from. You know, Walter Smith came back. The first thing he'd done, he went out and signed like uh, two free agents and Davy Weir, Ugo Ekeog. He brought in guys that were playing in Scotland already. You know, he make sure he always done that, Walter Smith. He made sure that we had a core of players that were home-based players. They don't have to be Scottish, but they were playing and they were playing well in the SPL. That's the type of players that we need to bring in along with a couple of quality players and, and players and free agents. So it annoys me as soon as any players that are playing in Scotland are muted, that they immediately get on or they're no good, good enough to, to play for us. Well, they're obviously no watching some of the players that are playing for us just now because they certainly aren't good enough to play for us. I think there is absolutely merit in that and is I think you'd be justified in a lot of signings like that. However, there's three issues they don't want to sell to us. And if they do sell to us, it's at inflated prices. Two, I think you kind of hinted at it, there's a massive amount of snobbery going on. I've said it before, I've said, I'll say it again, we have signed world-class players who have been shite. Yep. We've signed absolutely nobodies who have been world beaters. So we've just got to take that with, with a pinch of salt there. The last point about that as well, though, is you're talking about Van Veen and scoring and all that kind of thing. These players aren't coming up against a packed defence every week, though. So, yes, they might be playing great in a team that doesn't need to come up against that, but when they put them into Rangers with all the pressures that come to that, which they need to win every single week, can they handle that? A majority probably won't. You could counter that by saying that they're going to be playing alongside better players and getting more opportunities to score than what they are for, for, for these teams as well. It's... It's one, it's, it's one of these things. It's just that it's frustrating, Derek, and I know that there are players that are playing in the SPL just now that could come in and be better than, than what we've got. You, you look at Raskin and Cantwell that have came in, although they've not came in and set the heather on fire, Derek, they've still probably been two of their best players since they've came in. But do, you, do you know what I mean? And that's just two, two guys that have came in there. So that shows you how bad that the rest of the team is. The guys that have been there for, for a while when two new guys can come in and automatically be two of the best players. That's that's the worrying thing for me. Just to round the, the game out, the inevitable fallout from the, the game, as there always is, because there was no controversial refereeing decisions, they actually had a fairly good game, aided by the fact that fuck all happened in the game. Of course, Celtic fans and the Celtic media have to manufacture some sort of grievance. This time, it was a clip of Hitati trying to get a drinks bottle from the Rangers stash during a stoppage and Cantwell refusing to give it to him and moving the bottle bag and then Morelos giving Hitati a drink of ours. You know, he was branded a nasty man and they claim it was out of order and unsporting and pathetic. 
I mean, this coming from a support that celebrate one of their players waving a trickler in the stands, tying a scarf to the goalpost, wiping bogeys on our corner flag, another one of their players spitting on our scarf. I mean, Dave, it's it's actually comical. It really is. <laughs> it is comical. I, I actually laughed when I saw it, Derek. I thought that, that's quite funny. Vast majority of us would have grabbed the ball and threw it at him. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> the fact that he'd done that. But no, as you say, any excuse to try and put put the boot in, Derek, it's pathetic. Mm-hmm. So that leaves us with basically five games, and that's our season with no Scottish Cup final. No. So, well, as always, what normally happens is when we record a podcast, I don't get it edited the next day, and some news happens. And one of the pieces of news that broke was the post-split fixtures were announced. So, next game, Sunday the 7th of May at home against Aberdeen, that's a 3 o'clock kickoff. Saturday the 13th of May at home against Celtic, that's a 12.30 kickoff. Sunday the 21st of May away against Hibs, 12 o'clock kickoff. Wednesday the 24th of May at home against Hearts. And the last game of the season, Saturday the 27th of May away against St Martin, that's a 12.30 kickoff. Now, what happens, Derek? We beat Aberdeen on Sunday. And I'm saying the unthinkable, but I'm just going by previous experience. Hearts defeat Celtic on Sunday as well. Then we play them and they've got a chance to win the league at Ibrox. That is something that I really do not want to see. (laughs) uh, I don't want to see us get beat by Aberdeen. I I would never say that, but I just hope and pray that that's not what the case is, is is going to be. But that is a scenario that could happen, Derek. Dave, you said, you know, from experience, I remember a very similar situation a few years ago where out of the blue, Aberdeen beat Aberdeen Celtic, beat, didn't they? Yes, exactly. Yep, mm-hmm. to- totally. So, so Celtic are getting beat this weekend, aren't they? Either that or there's going to be quite a bit of, and I hate to, to, to speculate that there could be some trouble in Glasgow, but if they, they win on Sunday and they all head out to the, the middle of Glasgow City Centre and we're also put, playing at home, I just hope everyone stays safe. Derek, that's, that's all, all I can hope for there. Yeah. So, we'll move on to the news. So, Dave, the other major piece of news that broke just before I edited the the last podcast was that it was announced that Stuart Robertson is to step down as our managing director in the summer and our current commercial director, James Bisgrove, is set to take his place as the new CEO. Now, note the change of title from managing director to CEO there. I think with the changes already with Ross Wilson and Douglas Park leaving, add in the fans' pressure, I think it was inevitable that Stuart Robertson was going to go. It was eight years in the position, so it's a long time for anyone to be in the same job. He's had successes, he's had failures. With some fans, I think he was always on a slippery slope as he came from a similar role in Motherwell, and it was thought, wrongly in my opinion, that we should be going for someone from a massive club. Ultimately, for me, that was a bit of snobbery rather than looking at his credentials, which is very similar to some turning their nose up at Bisgrove replacing them. They see that promoting from within is a bad thing. The job he's done as commercial director has actually been phenomenal. You look at our commercial revenue income since he joined has been nothing short of phenomenal. If you can look past the optics for a moment, the deal we were actually going to get for the Sydney Cup 
that was an outstanding piece of business, something like about three or four million pounds, more than the amount of money we we're going to get for the, the SPFL. That's his job to do that, but it was the board and the CEO or the managing director that ultimately were at fault for agreeing to do it. Yeah. Outside of us, you know, I think his CV speaks for itself. I think he had stints in MTV. He worked with UEFA as well, done a highly successful there. So I'm full of confidence in him succeeding and he's got off to a really good start so far by announcing a quarterly Q&A sessions at New yeah. Edmonton House with fans. Yeah. He's been more than happy in the past to be visible and this is a continuation of this, so something that Robertson clearly wasn't keen on doing. Yeah. So I'm actually really happy with that appointment. Yeah, no, it's, it certainly sounds promising, Derek. But again, you know, that's a, an, another high-profile member of the Rangers board or, or back management have left, if you think about it. So you've got to think of the bigger picture here, what's actually go, going on. In the background, Derek, because that's our, our chairman gone, our director of football gone, and now he's gone as well. So, you know, huge changes, three massive figures all gone, rightly or wrongly, but, you know, for them all to go in such a short period of time makes you wonder what is actually happening or what could be about to happen in the background. Well, certainly there's always been rumours for the past few months about takeovers of Rangers. Yeah. Obviously, you had the Kylie Fox group as well that mm -hmm. they've pulled out, obviously, but maybe there's something rumbling in the background. As, as long as it's all for the better of the club, I don't yeah. care. You know, obviously, we've got Rangers, largely Rangers fans on the board just now and who are the major shareholders, so that is a good thing. As long as it doesn't get into the hands of one owner, especially an unknown owner, then anything can happen. But that's just the Twitter sphere kind of going on about rumours and all that. There's yes. nothing substantiated about that just now, is there? No, there isn't. But it just it does make you think, Derek, there's, what's the old saying? There's no smoke without fire. And it just seems to a lot to be happening at one time for there to be, you know, nothing going on in, in, in the background. But only time will tell. We'll just have to watch to find out what happens. But, you know, I really hope that Mr Bisgrove is uh, very successful in what, what he does and, you know, we'll certainly give him our support and hope everything goes, you know, to plan that, that, that they've got for him and can't get much worse than this <laughs> now, can it, Derek? Next thing is just before that was announced, there was a statement released by, uh, a combined statement released by Union Bears Club 1872 and the Rangers Supporters Association stating that they've been holding meetings over the past few weeks to share their concerns about the direction of the club are taking and they want the new chairman, John Bennett, to take leadership of the club, becoming a more accountable and transparent and hope to meet with them soon. Now, I agree with the sentiments of that statement. I'm, I'm all for that. In essence, it's correct. But the irony there is absolutely off the scale. I mean, the Union Bears petulantly throw their toys out the pram and go in the huff when they don't get their own way. Club 1872, they've been as transparent as a fucking blackout blind, Dave. We've spoke about it numerous times. I don't know if this is them putting out an olive branch to the new to the new guys in charge or not, just to say to them, you know, we're willing to speak to you and there'll not be any issues and, and stuff like that that there has been before. Certainly looks that that way. Club 1872, I can't remember the last time I actually heard anything from them, Derek, which is quite strange. So for it to come out now like that, 
there's definitely something ongoing, Derek, that, that, that we need to find find out about. But again, we'll just have, have, have to wait and see. But, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see, as you say, the two factions there, what, what come, comes of that and how much information that they're given and how much time that they're given by the, 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 the new guys in charge. Yep. Next thing here, another person leaving, and it was announced today that Academy Director Craig yep. Mulholland is leaving. So sweeping changes all round. Some fans are now unhappy with the fact that there's that many changes happened when they've been asking for it. So, oh, just some Rangers fans. Don't get them. I really don't. Yep. Certainly, there's a few murmurings on Twitter anyway about a few stories about uh, about Craig Mulholland not doing a great job. You know, he's been part of a sweeping changes of the academy and built it to what it is just now. So I think, you know, arguably he's done a good job from what we've seen on the outside anyway, whether that's, that's transpired on the inside, I don't know. They're into European competitions. They've revolutionised the way they do it. We've came out of certain leagues and we've formed a B team. So the only thing is, I would want to see more B team players making their way through. But again, you've always got to temper that with the fact that these players are still training effectively. They're still in their learning process. Rangers, the first team as a club, we've got to win every single game. Yeah. You cannot, especially in the time when we're losing, we cannot bleed players in if they're not fully ready and test them out because, it, really, you've got to win games. So we'll see what's happening there. It is, it is a hard one, Derek, but again, like I said, we've now got five games now and then a full pre-season, so why not give some of the highly talented youngsters a chance you know, we've we've already covered it, but we've got nothing to lose, so why not? Yeah. Next thing here, another fuel speculation thing is that Antonio Chulak has changed his agents. So obviously, the speculation is now that he's doing that in order for him to get a move away in the summer. Who knows, uh, Dave? Exactly. Another guy that blows hot and cold. Derek out, out injured. He can certainly score goals when he's on a hot streak. He looks absolutely incredible. There's other times that we see him, he looks, you know, really, really average, you know, another in inconsistent player for us, and we really don't know what we've got there, do we? He's a player that feeds off service, and when he was in the squad, he wasn't getting that service. So how can you service a player like that if you're not giving him the tools true. to do it? Yeah, yeah. Now, Dave, contain your laughter here, but the Player of the Year nominations have been <laughs> announced. Tavernier, Barisic and Tillman. Right. Those are the three players that have been nominated. So I don't know who's actually nominated oh. them. Did they just pull names out of a hat? Was it pin the tail on a donkey as it were? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I mean, actually, I'm actually trying to think of one game that Barisic has played really well a season and I'm struggling. <laughs> that's, that's a total head scratcher, that one. In fairness, when he came back for the World Cup, I think he had a bit of an off game, and then he played. He's been playing consistently average. He's not been Papich seven seven out of ten. He's been maybe six out of ten. So consistently average. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it takes to get into the player of the season? That shows you how bad things are. You've we shouldn't be laughing at this. You've summed it up there, mate. Consistently average gets you to be a contender for player of the season. Quite incredible. Quite I mean, incredible. I mean, the Young Player of the Year nominations are Tillman, Devine and King. So I'm going to guess that Tillman's going to get that one. Yeah. I can't... Again, he's been blown too hot and cold and he's never turned up for the big games. Tavernier, I think he's going to get it, isn't he? For yeah, the fact well, yeah. that 
yeah. He, he's as much as he's had a bad season, and he's got defensive frailties, and he's cost us goals sometimes. Unlike previous seasons, he's not been the only one that's made the mistake. He's been part of the collective that's made the mistake. Doesn't excuse what is the mistakes he's been making, but at least then you can counter that with he has been trying to get forward and do stuff, even though he has been off it this season. I'd, Dave, the nominations are far. <laughs> Derek, do you think that that's what we're classed as in the podcast world? Consistently average. I <laughs> <laughs> ready podcast, consistently average. <laughs> I'm going to change that to our tagline now. Oh my God, that is, oh. it's, I'm laughing, but that is worrying. That really, really is worrying. See, if you think about it though, Derek, and I'm trying, I'm trying to think back, apart from Tavernier, I'm trying to think of a player who has played the vast majority of the games this season and played at any type of a half-decent level, and I'm struggling. I'm struggling to name another one. So maybe they should just have player of the season uh, here are the nominations for the players that have played the most games <laughs> and then that's the three players you that they pick out and obviously Tavernier would win out of the three of them but oh my god that's just that's worrying it's really worrying next piece of news here and you've kind of hinted at it before as well as that as police union chiefs have accused TV companies of giving troublemakers an opportunity yeah. to cause carnage on the streets it's all down to the kickoff times for the next yeah. set of games where Celtic could clinch the title. Celtic travel to Hearts on the Saturday with the kickoff time of two fifteen. We kick off at three o'clock. So Celtic fans, if they end up winning the title, will be travelling back to Glasgow at the same time. Fans, yeah. Rangers fans, will be leaving. You know, I kind of find it hard to believe that the uh, that the police have had no say in the kickoff times because a lot of the t- the kickoff times is dictated through them. However, it's nothing new that TV tech companies dictate most of what Scottish football does. But it's also with the, the caveat of the police have the final say. So I'm, I'm kind of unsure about that one. But yeah, I just hope that it's not a, not one of these moments. It could, could potentially be, Derek. And that is quite worrying if, if you think about it. Because if they do descend on Glasgow, there's going to be a number of Rangers fans going back that are going to be using Queen Street Station to get back. So it's, uh, it could be carnage. And you've got to think from, from the police standpoint that there should have been something done. The league's over. So why could one of the games not be an, an early kickoff? I know it's been because of the split and they try and do that. But just because of that one-off, they should have made a game much earlier and a game a bit later, trying to alleviate some of that. But... You know, have, have have our game much earlier and have, have their game a bit later and you know something something like that. But uh, aye, it's going to be interesting, Derek. We'll just have to wait and see. And, and like I said, I just hope there's no any, any issues and everybody's safe on the day. That's all I, I hope for. Yeah. So the last piece of football news here is that Graham Souness is leaving Sky Sports after 15 years. It's prompted speculation that he's coming back to the Ibrox for some sort of role. I can't see it, but Dave, no. that would be amazing if he did. No, I can't see see it either, Derek. I think he's maybe just getting to the stage in his life that he's maybe wanting to slow things down a wee bit. But uh, yeah, never say never, Derek, but I, I can't see that one happening. No, he might be just sad that Jeff Sterling's finally leaving and he's decided to give it up as well. I I know I'm sad about that, Derek. I think Jeff's brilliant. But he announced that ages ago and he decided to come back, you know. Yeah. Anyway. 
Lost and found. Naughty commuters have left more than 250 sex toys on London's public transport <laughs> and very few have gone to reclaim them. Really? <laughs> Naughty commuters left more than 250 sex toys on public transport. <laughs> Vibrators and other sex aids were handed to lost property from 2014 to 2022 with just 22 owners going back to reclaim them. Appropriately, the largest haul was found at Cock Foster's tube station <laughs> in North London. Some 78 sex toys were also left on buses in the capital, while eight were found in the back of black cabs. One London cabbie said, You wouldn't believe the sort of things that people have left in my cab. I've had sex toys, handcuffs, masks, just about everything you could imagine. One sex aid was also handed in to staff at London Transport Museum at Amherst after a freedom of information request. How would you even go about asking for that? <laughs> I don't know, absolutely bizarre there you go each, each to their own apparently it said most items are donated to charity if unclaimed kind <laughs> <laughs> of charity <laughs> okay oh. we'll, we'll leave that to the imagination there you go sex addicts anonymous maybe. exactly yeah so on that note we will end the podcast so Dave, it's been a pretty disappointing one, obviously, much like the last podcast. Uh, we've got the last five games, as you said, they're going to be a bit of a, I was going to say a damp rubber, but that's not the right, right terminology, I'm at that kind of stage now, Dave. I, th- I think you're thinking about your last story there, Derek. <laughs> maybe, aye. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's, Derek, we've got nothing to lose. Get some of the young players bedded in, in, into the team just now ready to fight for you know first team football next year just go, go for it the fans will be behind it you know and if, if one of them was to spark if Lowry was to spark against Celtic in that last old for him game of the season then it could set him up for a huge career right just go for it it's going to be packed with, with Rangers supporters you know who will all be willing guys like him on so just go for it as you say, there's certain players there that just shouldn't be back in a Rangers jersey again. So why not just bring the young boys in? I think they would do a lot better than the effort that we've been getting over the last few weeks, regardless. So it's it's you know absolutely not nothing to lose. Yeah, this is maybe what will make Beal these last five games. So maybe yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So on that note, we will say thanks for listening and goodbye. Yep, take care, folks. We'll be back soon. Bye bye. And the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. I uh, um. <laughs>